if uh, I'll just follow it up in a second and I'm going to get to her part. Is that how you get in, Lee? Yeah, I'll come up. Yeah, that's right. Let's do it. All right, so, uh, recap, who's about to right? the whole year, this all the Holy Cross, right? And so we've been following, like, a lot of our courses have kind of, like, this recently become, like, order, right? Like, how we order, like, like media used in our life. Does that mean? Okay. Cool. Put it there. Does that work? That'd be great. All right. Record. Cool. Like, media stuff. And here was finances. I wasn't here for finances. Um, was it good? Yeah, Tim. Who was a risky shopper for Tim up here? Are you did okay? All right, no. All right, it's great. Tim is awesome. Um, but um, yeah, we talk about order. So this this talk now we're talking about is kind of like internal orders. Yeah, I think when you think when you think of Christian love, okay, what do you think of? Holy marriages. Holy marriage is good. Sacrifice. God. Sacrifice. Hearts. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's great. That's great. No, hearts. Hearts count. Unity. Patience. Michael. I asked Ellie the same question. She said. Marriage too, so if you're on the same page, not five year old. Yeah, it's good. Uh, you can also say like, like the cross, right? The cross. We know love, right? Because we've been shown love, and it's, it's universal truth, right? Everyone desires to be loved, right? Like yes, loved. Like, we all desire to be loved, and, like whether we, how much we realize it or not. Like this is like kind of the core human desire, you could say, to be loved, and I think the. Uh, yeah, some of us are more open, some of us are more guarded, but as a human being, our, our hearts are always kind of asking questions about our worth, right? What am I worth to other people? And this comes out in how we are cognizant in, like, do we, if, we're, if we matter to people, like, that's why we get so mad when we get snubbed or, like, left out or excluded. We're like, oh, my gosh, I don't matter to that person, and it kind of cuts, right? And they're also, like, in conversation, like, are they excited to see me? Are they actually listening? Like, oh, man, like, maybe I don't matter, or maybe I don't belong, um, all these things kind of boil down to our searching for worth, right? And even when we pray, I, I wrote down three kind of fundamental questions. Is when I said, like, do I matter? Am I secure? And am I significant? Right? They're all kind of like wrapping around the same thing, but do I matter, right? We ask that question. Am I secure? Like, am I safe here? Am I like welcomed here? Am I part of this going on here? Am I like welcomed and valued and like safe? And then, am I significant? Like, do I have something to offer? Like, can I, like, give my strength here? Can I, like, can my gifts come out here? Am I significant? Do I have a place? So, the Lord has an answer for us in all these questions. Amen? Amen. And then we know this. That we, we, like, come Holy Spirit. We need, like, the profound truth that I can start hitting us. So, come Holy Spirit. It's just the foundation of life in Christ is knowing the Father's love for us. Right? And duh. It's so simple, but it, it, it's literally it's the hinge. The foundation of life in Christ. What it means to be a Christian is to know the Father's love he has for you personally. That is the foundation of the Christian life. And we know that we love, I love it because, like, you know, the famous quote by um, Pope Benedict is like, Christianity is not an ethical decision or like a lofty ideal, but is an encounter with a person, right? So when we encounter a person, we encounter a person who is love, 
and that love shifts things because it answers our deepest questions and needs. So we don't have to get them from like other people. You know, we don't have to get them answered by like the world. We don't have to get answered by all these sideways things that actually don't fill us. Um, there's a great kind of this is from Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. He has these homilies on Advent. I've been going through. He says, "To whom shall we liken the people of this generation? To whom shall we compare them?" We see that they cannot be torn away and separated from what brings them earthly and bodily comfort. They are like people who have fallen into the water and are in danger of drowning. You see them clinging tenaciously to whatever first comes to hand, refusing to let it go for any reason, whatever it may be, even though it can do them no good at all. Roots of plants and such things, even if people should come to help them, they often clutch them so closely that the rescuers can help neither them nor themselves. And so they perish in this sea, great and wide. And this, again, is this sometimes even our experience, like, we just clutch at these things because we're not being filled in the deepest parts of ourselves, so we just kind of grasp, clutch, you know, relationships. You know, we're too clingy here, or, like, we're like we withdraw here, or we, like, write that person off, or we guard ourselves here, or we take on this pleasure, and, like, we go too far in this direction. Like, these things we're used to because when we aren't filled by the Lord, we just get off kilter. But the truth is that God loves you and that he is, he is for you. Right? That God the Father is for you. And this truth, like, calms our grasping. This truth, like, like, centers us. And we sit in prayer, like, the fundamental experience of prayer is to just be with the Lord, to see, to acknowledge His presence, to acknowledge the reality of who He is, which is love, which is that He approves of us, He is for us, He has died for us, He has shown everything for us. Right? And how, how do we know that God loves us? This is First John. It says, "By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us." Right? Cross. How do we know God's love? By this we know love that He's laid down His life for us. Jesus demonstrated God's love for us on the cross, um, and Jesus was able to endure the cross. Why was Jesus able to endure the cross? Because He kept His eyes on the Father. Jesus was able to endure the cross because He kept His eyes on the Father. He was secure. He knew, and He knew the Father was for Him. Again, this is Hebrews. Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. So knowing the love of the Father was the key to his faithful perseverance. Knowing the love of the Father was key. So for us, knowing the love of the Father is the key to our life as a Christian. So for your, and this is Psalm 26, for your steadfast love is before my eyes and I walk in faithfulness. So what Jesus received from the Father, we need to receive from the Father. Amen. This is the foundation of Christian love and desire. This is, this is the first, this is, this is recap, but also explosive truth that you'll never stop, stop unpacking in your life. Um, I got to go on a retreat to where I wasn't here, like a five-day personal retreat uh, about a few weeks ago. And one of the things that really struck me was actually like the, like the father loves the son totally and completely. And that is the most powerful and explosive love like, ever like, possible imagined. Whatever, and that, that love is the new person of the Holy Spirit, right? And actually, it is the love between the Father and the Son, that love in particular, that saves the entire world. There's a relationship between Father and Son that saves the entire world. So when God sees you, He sees His Son, Jesus. And it's that love that we can sit in and soak in that changes our entire disposition and structure, that we don't have to grasp, we don't have to go, like, do our own little games anymore. So, Good. That's kind of our intro launching in. So this, this fact that it, gets, it is the love between the Father and the Son that, save, that saves the entire world that we actually can participate in 
as Christians. That's the explosive good news that we're going to launch in. And Emily's going. Um, have you guys heard of St. Elizabeth's Community? It's stuff. Uh, and she held her off for the last couple months. And a lot of saints say similar words as she does, but she says, let yourself be loved. Um, so to answer the question, what is love? We have this desire for love. But to answer that question, what is love? We look to Jesus. We look to the love of the Lord. What is the love of God? And Jesus explained Christian love when he was asked, what are the greatest commandments? It is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And what does it look like, this love, to love God and to love neighbor, and to be loved by God and by neighbor? And we can look at the scriptures, and there's three ways in the scriptures that give examples of how God loves in these ways. And the first example is that of delighting. That's delighting in the existence of the other. So we see that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God saw everything he made, and behold, it was very good. We see, the Lord, your God, is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will shout, rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. The second way is the willing the good of the other. We see this inscription that God, God's love wills the good of the other. We see, may the Lord Jesus Christ himself, God and God of our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and deed. We see also, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. God wills the good of every person on the face of this earth. That's Christian love. To delight in the existence of the other, to will the good of the other, and we also see the love of God as giving oneself to the other. God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave himself. In this is the love of God made manifest that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So, living in God's love. We want to live in God's love. We, as persons, were designed to thrive in the environment, in an environment that is loving, an environment that these three elements are present in. That was God's intention. Like when we live in an environment where these three elements are present, to be delighted in, to be willed good, to be receiving the others as a gift. That is where we're going to thrive, and where we're doing that for others. The fruit of having these three elements is contentment, the joy of the Lord, it's internal order. It's not, it doesn't mean that we're always feeling happy, it doesn't mean we're always getting everything our way, it doesn't mean we're blissfully ignorant of our struggles. There's some real struggles in, in life, aren't there? Yep. Amen. But, so it's not the absence of all those things, but it is a general contentment. It's rest and security in our identity as daughters and as sons of the Lord. And without going into too much detail, I've had kind of a rough couple weeks. 
Um, one thing, my grandmother passed away, among others, and I can sit here and know that it's all for good, that God works everything for good. Amen? Amen. Okay. So God intends us to share in this love for others and to experience it in our families, in our human communities. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. We can trust in the Lord that he intends us to know this love that he has for us, that he delights in us, he wills our good, he is giving himself to us. We can experience that through one another, we can give that to one another, we can be that for one another as well. Okay, so, love and desire. That's, we just talked a lot about Christian love, this whole, like, John and me just now, that was setting the stage of Christian love. So, how to, getting into desire, love and desire, it's obviously desire love, right? We desire love, and this is, represents one of the deepest desire um, of our heart, right? And both Christian and non-Christian sources give witness to this. So in John, 1 John, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He who abides in love abides in God, God in him. St. Augustine, you made us for yourself, O Lord. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Mother Teresa says, you are, the human person is a walking thirst. Like, the human person is a walk, I am a walking thirst. I thirst. There's something in me that needs to be satiated, right? And even we see this in the culture, in all these, the media and everything. Like, all you need is love. Every movie, love story, right? Like, there's something about it. Um... But often, this Christian ideal of love conflicts with our human desires. Conflicts with our human desires. So, for example, in delighting in the existence of others, often we don't find our brother or sister's company very enjoyable. Maybe it's kind of annoying. Like, I, I'm having a hard time delighting in you, and maybe I'm having a hard time delighting because I'm tired and I want to just go. Or maybe I'm having a hard time delighting because... I'm busy, so I don't have time to delight. For willing the good of the other, serving. It means forsaking our preferences that we hold dear, performing the tasks we rather would not do. Rejoicing when someone does better than me. Um, getting behind someone else's idea, like, I'm for you. I want to see you thrive. I want to see you succeed. I'm going to put aside my preference and like help make this happen for you, right? But our, des our human desires can sometimes be like, I don't want to do that because I'm kind of jealous, actually. <laughs> or maybe, again, it's just, I'm just tired or whatever. Giving ourselves to one another. There's plenty of aspects of our lives that we would rather not share. Emily and I were just talking about this in the car. Like, things that we'd rather not share with our small group. We would rather not put out there. Time. We would rather not give of ourselves and our time. So even though our deepest desire is to love, is for this Christian love, and to be loved in these ways, often our human desires can thwart that. You picking up what I'm putting down? Okay, so love is kind of like how love and desire, this is what we're going to keep talking about. Sweet, so desire. Do you know, that was love, now, Maybe down even more in desire. What is desire? Let's define it, right? What is desire? We're saying that desire is a movement within us 
directed towards something outside of us. Okay? Check out, right? Run, run through your reins. All right. Desire is, is a movement within us directed towards something outside of us. Essentially, it's when our body and brain tell us, like, this is good, go towards that. Right? This is good, go towards that. And clearly, that's a good thing and important to have. Right? So the point of this talk is not to say stuff all desires and in and out. Desires are important. It gives important information about ourselves, about our needs, um, sometimes bodily needs, like you're thirsty, go towards that, go do that. Um, but also social needs, like you're lonely, go talk to that person, right? Or, yeah, many things. But uh, in Zen, desires are good. God created our desires. We want this information um, and motivation in our lives it can help us live in a good and right way. Like, for instance, a husband, himself, should have a desire that helps him to love his wife better. That is good. Like, a wife, a mother, should have a desire to, like, love her kids more. That is a good and holy desire, acted properly in a good way. Um, Jesus was actually motivated by desire to carry out the Father's will. At the Last Supper, he said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus desired. It is good. Paul was motivated by desire to carry out his ministry. In Thessalonians, he says, that since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see your face again. Desire is good, but there's the but. There's, there's a thing that happened. There was a fall, right? There was a fall. So our desires, in some ways, have been disordered because of the fall. Who knows the three effects of the fall? According to St. Thomas, St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, well, yeah, as far as like, it's uh, clouded intellect, weakened will, and uh, like disordered passions. Okay? So it's clouded intellect, weakened will, disordered passions, the three effects of the fall that we experience every single day of our lives, right? Like, our clouded intellect, we can't know the good as clearly, as forcibly as we'd like in all situations, right? Because some situations are like, oh man, what should I do here? But with a redeemed intellect, right? We would know right away. So we'd be able to see the good clearly. Um, our will. Sometimes we're like, man, Paul, I know I should do that. But I do the thing I don't want to do. But what's going on? That's our weakened will, right? Being unable to choose. And our, cl- and our, and our passions, our, our disordered passions. Like, sometimes we're like all over the place, right? Going all over the place certain days. Um, or even certain moments, moment to moment. Um, again, Part of this, this is because our first parents chose to seek their own good apart from God. And this led to the subverting and disordering of our desires. They grasped for the sonship. They grasped for a relationship with God. And from that, they put themselves above God, which put us in a wonky relationship to reality. So basically what it means that our desires are off, it means we're not quite in line with reality. It means we think this thing over here is what I need and what I want. We've all experienced that before. And we do it, we're like... That wasn't it, right? Who's, who's experienced that for, right? But obviously there are good desires still at work in us that actually draw us to love our brothers and sisters, right? To sacrifice for them, to go on mission, right? To talk to that person even though we don't really want to, but we don't want to make that decision for them. That's a good desire, right? Like, so we have, we're a complicated being, right? We're complicated creatures. It's not just always black and white, not desires bad. But we've got to be recognizant that there is a part in us that is, needs to be, like, um, acknowledged. Right? That's not always fair game. It's not always 100%. So the result of this is, I love this, is that, that often we desire the wrong thing. 
or we desire the right thing in the wrong way, or we go after the right thing in the wrong way. It's pretty good, right? Yep. Like, it's just like, yeah, we're close. Sometimes, sometimes we're just like, wait, you know? Like, you've got to, like, you know, eating that, like, eighth donut would bring happiness. Like, I thought in high school, didn't work. Just made me sick the rest of the day. Or if you thought that, like, man, like, if I just, like, sleep until noon, I'll feel better. And you wake up and you're like, I feel like a piece of crap. You know, that wasn't it. It's just like, whatever, these, like, really, these tiny things. Those are pretty easy. But then sometimes we're like, man, I really want to, like, do well in school to make my parents proud, right? And then be like, maybe go about a good in the wrong way, which is like, so I'm never going to see my roommates and lock myself in a room and study 24-7. Or, like, and they're like, say no to, like, helping out on a mission any time because, like, I need to make sure this happens. It's like, well, you kind of wake up one day and realize, like, maybe that was, like, the right thing in the wrong way, you know? So that can happen. Um, again, we can just be, you can eat, we can, sometimes in our lives, we can eat because we're tired or thirsty. But what you actually need is not food, but it's water and sleep. You procrastinate because you're afraid, but you don't actually need to, like, procrastinate more, or play more video games, or surf the web more, you need to study. That would help. And we, sometimes you even seek out, you seek out casual sex, pornography, because we're lonely. But we know that doesn't fill that void, Right? So the fall causes separation from God and our experiences of his love for us. Which, if we break our experience of God's love for us, what happens? Like, the whole thing is off-center, right? So that's the whole, that's like the main, like, like dagger of the fall. Is that, it, like, when we know the Father's love for us and we're centered on that, we're like, we're, we're there, we're good, we're free, right? It's like, it's, it's solid. Then when we're off-center from that place, we're like, we're like those people in the water grasping it, like, the things coming towards us. And someone's like, here, let me help you. Like, yes, please. We like pull them under because, you know, we're just like flailing. We don't have any center. But this fall causes separation. Um, so, and it's also fair to say that part of this, the, the effects of the fall are also seen in our relationships with one another, particularly families. So a child is supposed to come into the world in a place of security. It's actually, it's the, the, the home is the place where we learn love, right? The home is a school of love. The child comes to the world, their first experience of life should be loved, cared for, delighted, and protected. But the fact is, our families aren't perfect. Right? We pick up some baggage along the way. We pick up maybe some lies, some agreements, and that's not the end of this word for us. Praise God, right? There's healing there. And some of us can go with some professionals for some powerful, explosive healing in that area. But the reality is, we have some, we have some baggage that maybe we don't quite believe. It's hard for us to believe that we are, though, because of what we learned growing up in our families. Um, the same as maybe said of our other close relationships. Maybe you've had, like, abandonment. Maybe you've had betrayal in your life. And that there's just a big wall there for experiencing love of other people or believing that you could be loved. So, in our design, when things are working the way God made them, desire draws us to connect with what is good. When we are centered and with the Lord, right? When we know the Father's love for us, our desires, more often than not, draw us towards what is true, good, and beautiful. Right? But in this fallen world, desire doesn't always work out in alignment with what is good. So, in short, this is a good pithy phrase. You can write this down. Our desires have become disordered, and they are strong drives but poor guides. Strong drives but poor guides, oftentimes. So again, having desire is not wrong. The Lord made us with desires to direct us towards what is good. But in our fallen situation, we can't always trust them right away. We can't just trust them right off the bat. Like, oh, had the thought, do it now. That usually is going to result in, unless we test them, it's going to result in something maybe sideways. 
It's hard, it's, yeah. So our desires, they, they tell us something, but it takes some real discernment to sift out what we really need from what we just want in the moment. So, again, my emotion I feel a lot is angsty. Anyone else feel angsty sometimes? Yeah, angsty. I'm kind of an angsty guy. If you ask my wife. Um, it's like, I guess it's kind of like a side effect of intensity. I don't know. But angsty. So when I'm feeling angsty, there's all kinds of things I think in that moment that I think will help the angstiness. But they rarely do. Because oftentimes what I do is I kind of numb the angstiness. Or I just like turn away from it by like going to sports websites. Or like, you know, doing anything else besides like sitting down in some quiet and being like, God, you're real, right? And you're here. Yeah, okay. Back on track, right? And like actually maybe even reading scripture. Those things would actually help, but I don't do them. Because like in my instance, I just choose something that doesn't help. Um, the way, yeah, our desires are so strong that often, that often our minds are following our drives rather than curbing or channeling them. So the way Paul describes life apart from Christ, he says in Romans, we all once live in the passions of our flesh, following desires of body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And scripture even says that desires can sometimes be deceitful in Ephesians, can be harmful in 1 Timothy, and can be temptations that lead us to sin. Um, so again, there's, there's some bad here. So because of this, we can be like, oh, desire's bad, got it, throw them out. No, it's not what we're saying at all. The point is not to throw out desires, right? The point is that our desires are important, but sometimes they can be muddled sources of information. So we just take some more examination. We just got to like look into them a little bit more than just take them to face value and run with them. So if you ignore your desires, the needs don't go away. It's really important to say. Say, I had a desire, but it's going to like, stop it. It's going to come out sideways. Um, and likely enough, you end up pursuing them in maybe more destructive ways. For example, if you ignore your need for human connection long enough, for instance, your inner sense of desperation will eventually push you to connect with people any way you can. So that could be through desperately clinging, casually flirting, or just constantly finding people looking for attention. So if you suppress that desire for human connection, it'll just come out in a sideways way. So the things we tend to go to in our desperation often make our, des- our desires worse rather than being fulfillment. Amen? So, again, you went to social media to connect with people but end up feeling more discontent with your own life and more disconnected from people you envy on social media. So, I mean, guys, like, guys probably, some guys can relate. You feel lonely, you look at porn. Does it help? Never. Um, you're tired, so you withdraw and stay home. Right? You're angry, so you stew on something. Right? You're angry at something. Your desires are like vengeance and justice, so you stew on it and you plot something um, instead of maybe bringing it to the light and talking with a pastor or sister or bringing it to the Lord first. Right? You feel unheard and unwanted, so maybe you would draw. You're like, man. Um, you feel out of control, so you grasp the situation and control it other than create that. So, again, our desires um, for the Lord when we're with Him, we can be trusted and they're good. And they draw us for something true, good, and beautiful. But it is something we should actually have um, an open conversation with, with ourselves and the Lord and brothers and sisters about different desires going on in our lives. Um, yeah. Our desires give us important information. We don't suppress, we don't stuff, we don't ignore, um, but we don't just act on them right away. Again, strong drives, but poor guides. It's like desires in the passenger seat, not the driver's seat. Uh, for Christians, love of God and love of neighbor is actually most important. So I'll say it again. What is our drive? What is our drive for actions? It's love of God and love of neighbor. So the world would say that desires, they kind of equate desires with love, right? Like if I desire something, I love it, 
Desires equal love. Love equal desires. Um, but that's not necessarily the truth for us Christians. The Christian way is how can we best love God and others? That like, should be our motivating factor. For instance, we may not desire to get up at 6 o'clock and pray during the hours, but we do it because we know it honors the Lord. Right? It's a really simple way. You may push back on some desire. We may not desire to help the person next to us with homework or something, but we do it anyways because it's a good opportunity to express our love for that person. Um, again, love, not desire, is the basis for action. And this is one way Christians mark different, markedly different from the world. So, yeah, there is a tendency in the world, and we're all, no one's immune to it, that we can elevate the feeling of desire, especially sexual desire, as the ideal for love. We know that love actually is in action. Because um, desires are fickle, they can change all the time. That love, our commitment to love, is stable. It's firm. It's, in a way, it's eternal if it's mirroring God's love, right? So the consequence of equating love with desires is our relationships can become fragile. If I just love someone because I feel it, or I desire it, it become fragile. So I love you. We say, I love you. Well, maybe until I stop enjoying your company. Then it's me on my terms, right? Or I go find someone else's company who I enjoy. Hey, you're too much for me right now. I'm going over here. That's not really a love. You can say, I love you as long as you do what I want. That's conditional love, right? Which is, is devastating to people's sense worth. I'm in love with your body. Objectification. Rejects a person as a whole. Um, maybe I love you enough to spend time with you. If I see a way you can help me socially or get ahead of my career. You know, it's utilitarian. That's not love. Um, but these desires, my desires, can be leading me in this direction. So these attitudes are the antithesis of delighting in the existence, willing the good, and giving the self, giving up self to the other person. So you would know that meme um, of like the guy with the girl walking and like the girl in the red dress and the guy's kind of looking backwards and the, and the girl next to the guy pulling his hand is like, you guys know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of becomes that. Like if we're, if we're drawn by our desires, it's like we're walking with the Lord and then we kind of like look over our shoulder because like, what's that? Right? We're just drawn by this like quick impulsive like in the moment thing that draws us away from actually like the stable commitment and power and healing and love of the Lord next to us. When love is a source of our actions, brothers and sisters, it works. We become whole. So when we actually choose love, when we choose to give ourselves, like man cannot find himself except through a sincere gift of self. Like when we act in this way, according to the grace the Lord has for us, we become more whole. We are redeemed, and our desires actually become more in line with who the Lord created us to be and how he created us to be love. Right? We receive his love and to be love for the world. So there is powerful healing, right? But in order to get powerful healing, we just have to admit where we're at now and the goal is not perfection now. The goal is honesty, knowing that the Lord loves us completely and wholly where we're at now, and he's so ready to receive us as we continue on the path. So just love what John was saying, desire. Like, in our original goodness and in original justice, the world all was right and really good. Our desires were naturally, like, for the good, the true, the beautiful. Like, when we're in right relationship with the Lord, like, desire can be a really good thing, right? And it can, but it's because of the fall that we need to just be aware. We need to be kind of astute, you know? Like, let's wake up, pay attention a little bit, you know? <laughs> let's be aware. So this is just the invitation to let's be aware of our desires. We don't need to, like, overly analyze or overly, like, fuss with them, but let's also, you know, maybe not trust every single 
desire and ask, like, where's the Christian love in this, you know? Um, yeah, I just think that the, the, like, desire, human desire approach can sort of creep easily into our life a little bit. It's, it's easy to, like, hear those examples John is giving and to say, like, I love, you know, like, the, I love you as long as you do what I want. I love you, blah, blah, blah. Like, to think that's kind of shallow, and I don't, I don't do that. But, like, this can kind of creep in, right? And if we think of desire as love, love as desire, like John said, it can get a little bit muddled. Like, we might start to think, like, or question, like, do I really love God? Because I haven't really been feeling it in prayer, you know, like, or I don't really, I haven't been wanting to go to daily mass, or I haven't really been wanting to worship, or I haven't really been wanting to open the scriptures. We might be in a doubt, right? We're muddling love and desire there. Or another example is like, um, we, we fail to love a brother or sister that God has placed right in front of us because we just want to, we desire to spend time with people that it feels good to be with because it's comfortable and natural, right? But let's love, let's like employ some Christian love in that instance and like choose to love our neighbor that the Lord has put in front of us. So the real test of whether we're following Jesus, however, it, that we're following Jesus is whether we continue to love God and others even when it involves something we don't desire. Like it's kind of a good litmus test. Like, if we're only ever loving God and neighbor in a way that, like, also lines up with my desires, we might just want to be like, hmm, <laughs> am, I, am I loving God and neighbor with Christian love? The big paradox of the gospel is that what Jesus offers is the fulfillment of all desire. And just to um, share this story with, with you, which I think illustrates just the point that we want to keep our desires subordinate to our desire, our human desires subordinate to our desire for the Lord. This is the point I want to make in this section, right? That we want to keep our human desires subordinate to our desire for the Lord and for love of the Lord, to Him, union with Him, our salvation. That's our salvation. Like, we want to keep all our human desires subordinate to that desire. And we know this story about the, the rich young man. He runs up to Jesus. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? Jesus tells him, you know, the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said, I've done all this from my youth. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. And said, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And disheartened, he went away. He was sorrowful, for he had many possessions. I just want to draw out in this that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus, God, looked at him and loved him, but it wasn't enough. That wasn't enough for this rich young man because his eyes were on his possessions. In his heart was clinging to those things in the world that he had. He wasn't able to see the loving gaze of Jesus. He wasn't free to respond because his desires were attached. It wasn't subordinate to his love for God. That's what I've got.
And I think we're, we're going to round it up here. Yeah, bachelors, here we go. Um, just to, yeah, in reading that last, one thing to highlight is just the, uh, yeah, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him. And if the rich young man would have seen Jesus looking at him, having to receive that love, I think his response might have been different. I think what happened was his eyes were probably on, like, his possessions. His eyes were probably on his plan, his res, whatever it was, that he just missed. It's, it's crazy because he was right there, like, physically. Jesus was there, looked at him, and loved him. And he just he wasn't able to see it. So how much different could our lives be when we look, see Jesus gazing at us, see the love he has, and that is what sets us free. Um, so as we approach the next several weeks, um, how do we follow the Lord in this area? What do we do um, to basically ensure that, you know, we love God and we actually grow in our, like, holistic, our, like, redemption as our desires are redeemed. So, one is commit yourself anew to the two great commandments, right? Like, it's really simple. It's really easy, but Lord, like, I want to love you with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's good to express. It's good to say. It's good to have the center of our prayer, right? And Lord, I want to love my neighbor as myself. Jesus made it really simple. Those are the two greatest commandments. To love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, two is really also somewhat similar. Cultivate your desire for the Lord through prayer, through worship, through scripture. Right? As we're going home, like, do we have a pattern that we're like set up to like succeed in for prayer, for worship, um, if you make if you can work that in, and then scripture reading. Like that's that's gonna work. That's how it goes. Um, our hearts are restless until they rest in the Lord, right? So if things are going crazy at home, easy question to ask. What's the question? How you praying? How they pray? And sometimes if you're like way out center, probably answers. Maybe not. Right? No, that's true in my life. Uh, really good. Really good question. So, um, the reading the word of God reminds us of the promises of the Lord, of his love for us. It really recenters us, gets us back to what actually matters and what we actually desire, to actually put our desires more in line with who the Lord is. Um, personal prayer is just that. It's personal. We grow in our love of God for spending time with him, just like other relationships. You can't love somebody you don't spend time with. You want to love of the Lord when you're with Him. Um, yeah, again, many of the problems with these unruly desires in our life um, come about because we've forgotten the reality of the Lord's love for us. Amen? So if you're reminded of that, you're going you're gonna to have a better time. Uh, dealing with desire. Um, if disordered desires lead us to sin, we should repent and try not to rationalize. Um, it's important to say that we don't need to repent for wrong desires, just wrong actions. So desires can be all over the place, right? And that's not even like, it's something to acknowledge. That's what we're saying today, right? Acknowledge bad desires. It doesn't make you dirty or bad because we all have crazy thoughts. But it's the actions that we want to repent for, right? If we have bad desires, we just give the Lord. Lord, um, I know, I think that will make me happy, but I, I, it doesn't, so I just offer it to you. Boom. Time, right? It's not desires that are bad or evil, it's, it's the actions we need to be repent for. Amen? Amen. It's actually really important. Um, but it's, it's, it's the action. So if, we, if a desire does lead us to action, like we do lash out at the other sister, or we do like sin against the Lord in a clear and obvious way, we shouldn't try to rationalize it. Um, it's good to know how our desires led us there. Say, okay, I was lonely and I was hungry and I thought this would help and it didn't. Noted. 
You know, it's good to do that. But it's not good to go to the Lord and say, God, I was hungry, I was tired. Like, that's why I did it. It's good to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I did it. Or if you yell at someone, it's like, oh, yeah, sorry, I just having a bad day. It's like, no, like, hey, I'm sorry I treated you that way. Um, I shouldn't have. Um, please forgive me. Yes, forgive me. And it's like, okay, I was just really hungry, and I wasn't in a good spot at all, but that was wrong. It's good to own up to it. You can explain to it, but it's good to own up to it. Does that make sense? I don't want to just rationalize it away. A good way to kind of keep working in this area, too, is, is fasting. Um, actively discipline our desires and pray that our desire for the Lord would increase. Right? It's Him who increases it. Um, so romantic relationships, desire. Um, rather than rationalizing them as like your destiny, you know, or even like God's will for your life, which is kind of the ultimate trump card, um, just, it just means like just because you desire, you have a crush on someone, doesn't mean it's like God's will. That's like the equivalent of like a great desire with love. It's like because I like have a crush on this person, I love them. And they're the greatest thing ever, and we're totally destined to be together. And God is ordained. Like that's 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 a little bit, it's a little jumpy, but it's good to acknowledge. Like man, I think that person's really great. They are incredible, and I appreciate them. That's good to acknowledge. It's not like no bad. I can't think that person's good. That's that's actually unhelpful. Um, it's going to come out sideways. It's good to acknowledge the goodness of another person. It's also good to acknowledge in the same breath that like it doesn't mean we're called to marry each other forever and have many babies. Right? You don't have to go there. Um, it's good to acknowledge the desire. It's, it's not good to take that 10 steps further. Um, there is a good time to pursue romantic relationships. We'll actually dig into that a little bit in the course next semester. It's going to be fun. Um, but in the meantime, uh, it's helpful not to let romantic attraction dominate our lives. As it can actually sometimes hinder our ability to love. Like, for instance, if it all were dominating on the attraction, it'd be like, we can take that attraction and, like, again, and full free and be like, yes, they're good. Affirm it. They just say in the same breath, it doesn't mean we're called to marry each other. It doesn't mean that God is ordained from all time and eternity. Like it's just they're a good person. And it's really good to say that. And then we can take that to the Lord and say, Lord, how can I love this person now and not overrelate to it? Right? How can I love all people in my life right now? Give more than that. Yeah, I think even as I was reflecting on that point for this talk, I was thinking too about Saint Ignatius and he had romanticized ideas of leading the army and blah, 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 you know, like, I'm going to go save whatever and, like, win the lady's hand. You guys know the story of Ignatius? Um, this is per this, well, that, well, he was a saint, and <laughs> the broken leg, he's pulled up in bed, got the lives of the saints in front of him, and he's, like, juxtaposing that dream and romanticized desire with the lives of the saints. So anyway, my reflection on this point was also like, yes, romantic attractions and desires to like maybe a, a man or a woman, but also like, what are those grandiose ideas? And let's not like, just baptize those desires either. Like, I could go, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, time will tell and the Lord will have his way, right? So anyway, that was a little reflection there, but to kind of expand that point. And then, okay, so the last thing, just a little thing we can do um, to, like, how, how do I want to say that? To, like, over the next couple weeks, how can we grow in desire for the Lord? Well, let's fill our lives with good things. I was thinking about, like, the good, the true, and the beautiful. And St. Catherine just had um, a parish mission on beauty, and it was so awesome. So if you go to the website, you can find it. But 
Um, we want to fill our lives with the good and the true and the beautiful. So we want to be consumers of what uplifts and what upbuilds. Desires are very changeable, and a lot of what we desire will be the result of what we experience and the kind of experience we put ourselves into. The people we spend time with, the media, um, all that. So let's immerse ourselves in good things. Let's pause to appreciate a good moment. Your homework, over break, pause to appreciate a good moment. If it snows, appreciate that moment. If there's a good moment with your family or with a friend, pause and just appreciate that good moment. Maybe you're eating a good pizza and you're like, better you eat for Christmas dinner. Like, just really pause and appreciate that good moment. If we're not pausing, to acknowledge those good things, we're, we're just letting them slip by us, right? And we want to build up our storehouse with good things of the Lord. This is like delighting in the Lord because the Lord is beautiful and true and good. And we want to delight in the Lord and the things of the Lord. Okay, another thing with this is regular exercise and time outdoors. That might sound really practical. But spending time in God's creation and exercising our body helps us to manage our emotions and it makes it easier to resist um, some of our human desires like craving for food or sexual gratification or stimulating ourselves with the media, right? If we're working our body and we're out in God's beautiful creation, it can kind of stave off some of those other human desires that come when we're bored, basically, and empty. When your cup is full, it's much easier to resist temptation, but when it's empty, it's much easier to rationalize the sin and the grasping. So, in conclusion, we each have a deep, deep desire for love. Only God can fill that desire. And we need to receive, I love that line up, we just need to receive from God what Jesus received from God. That moment in the Jordan. This is my son, and in him I am well pleased. We need to receive the love of the Father. Only if we're confident in his love for us as his children can we be confident in handling our desires in a way that fulfills the two greatest commandments. Only from that place, right? God's love is the ideal love. His love delights in the other. His love wills the good of the other. His love gives himself to the other. This is the love we aspire to. It's Christian love that we're aspiring to. And we want our desires not to thwart us, but to enlighten the journey of Christian love, right? We've got our work cut out for us, and we've got a whole life of working with our desires and choosing Christian love, right? Yep. And it's such a gift. It's a gift. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I want to just take a minute ready to reflect. And what struck you? What tugged at your heart? Where is the invitation to you? I'm just going to give a couple questions. You can kind of think about this and look through your notes. Where is the invitation to you? Is it to acknowledge your desire? Is it to return to the Father for the love that he has to show you? Is it to delight in the Lord a little bit more? To look at the good things? Is it to will someone else's good? 
in a particular situation. Is it to give something of yourself that you haven't yet been able to give? So think about those questions. What struck you? opportunity with Advent, special graces, and with the holidays coming up, we have a real opportunity. So let's, let's like keep this, tuck it in your back pocket, keep this kind of desire, Christian love, in the back of your mind as we go into the holidays with our families. There's going to be lots of situations for each of us, and let's just let the Lord work in that. Let's let the Lord work. Okay. Um, second.